All right, by, by a show of hands, who has never taken a selfie before uh, in their life? All right, so you want to join Joe Responti and Rick Hankins, and uh, today take your first and last selfie. No, I didn't get much, uh, much applause for that. Uh, but let's hear for, for Katie and, uh, and Linda and Nicole and, and uh, everyone who put that great video together. Uh, so we're going to extend it through September. So uh, if you brought a guest today, make sure you do that. We want you to be uh, uh, in the, the running for uh, that special gift. And uh, I'm excited today because everything's new today. We had a new song we just sang. We're starting a new series. Anybody? No? No? Anybody excited about a new series that we're starting today? And um, I know the last one was really, uh, really impactful for a lot of people. I got some great feedback on the on this series. I know he is, but but who am I? And uh, if you didn't uh, listen to any of those sermons, or if you weren't here, you could you could hear them all um, on our on our YouTube page. They're all they're all on there now, all four of them. And uh, this new series uh, is going to be uh, titled "Jesus Speaks." And the reason why I chose that title and what I want this series to, to speak to us is Jesus is the Word. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. That The same uh, Word that he spoke when he said, let there be light, that was the Word that spoke that. That was Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning too. Never stops. It echoes through the generations. Echoes through the corridors. And every word that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago still speaks to us today. And what we're going to learn through all the, the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus are eternal truths that he still is speaking over us today. Um, so if you will go in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter, chapter 1 and uh, verse 1. This is kind of going to be a, uh, um, kind of a baseline scripture for the series and and this is a, a book, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some say it was Paul, some say it was Apollos, some say it might have been Luke. Uh, but it's uh, sharing to the, the Jews about who Jesus is and was to them. And it says, verse 1, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various different ways. But in these last days, and we're still in those same days, he has spoken to us through and by his son Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he has made the universe. And uh, now if you will go to Isaiah chapter 43. This is going to be the verse for this morning's uh, sermon. This is Isaiah who prophesied about Jesus. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. And, and this is what he, he said, one of my favorite verses. Uh, verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Turn the person next to you and say, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. That's right. That's for somebody bringing up stuff this morning about your spouse. And he said, don't bring it. See, the pastor knew what was going on in the house. Don't bring up the past. That's what Isaiah said. Verse 19. Why? Because I am doing a new thing. Say new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive? A lot of times we don't perceive the new thing that God is doing because we're holding on to the old ways and the old thing and the old way he used to speak to us. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Man, I love that verse. That's, what, that's one of my, my uh, kitchen verses that I, I have right on my refrigerator. 
He's doing a new thing. He's making a way in the wilderness. He's, he, he, he makes a way where there is no way. And, and then last scripture, Luke verse, chapter 5, verse 37. And uh, this is Jesus talking to uh, the, the Pharisees who didn't understand Jesus. They didn't understand uh, his, his methods because they contradicted the way they used to relate to God. He contradicted everything that, that, that they formerly knew about, about God. And, and Jesus says to them, no one pours new wine. love that we just sang about that. I might have had that in mind when I planned this sermon. Into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins because when you put new wine, it, it expands. There, there's gases in it, and back then, they didn't have bottles. They had, they had wine skins. They had these skins, and if it was an old one, it was, it was hard and, and rigid, and if you put new wine in it, it, it wouldn't be able to hold it. It would burst, so you needed a, a new flexible uh, wine skin in order to hold the new wine, and the wine will run out, and the wine skin will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. The old, anyone ever said the old is better? Anyone ever think the old music is better than the new music? <laughs> anyone ever think the old movies are better than the new movies? Yeah, I, I kind of like, like, I feel like that's how I know I'm getting a little older is uh, somebody was showing me some of the new rap music they have, and I'm like, this is horrible. This is like the worst music I've ever heard in my life. Like, like, like Tupac changes. Like, that, that meant something. Like, speaking to a generation, like, I, I felt that. Like, now I'm just, like, over it. I'm like, new music, I'm cool. New movies, I like the old movies. Like, like I, I like, well, old to me is, like, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the original. You know, Happy Gilmore. You know, like, like those are, like, the, my, my movies. I love the Forrest Gump. Love Forrest Gump. Like, how many Spider-Mans can they make? We, like, like, they just keep bringing back these old movies and redoing them because we're stupid enough to buy tickets every single time. So they don't even have to invest ideas into doing a new movie. They just take an old movie and redo it. But, but the, whenever you redo an old movie, it's never as, bad, as better, is it? No, it never, never is. Uh, I, I put on Facebook uh, yesterday, and uh, the response was kind of overwhelming. Uh, I, uh, I, I asked a question. Uh, and was looking for a response of, um, fi finish this question. Um, how do you know you're not changing with the times? How do you know you're not changing with the times? And, and these were some of the responses I, I, I got. Um, someone put, you're still wearing no fear t-shirts. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. Uh, I used to have those. Uh, someone put, if you own two cars without a CD player and can't listen to the music you love because you haven't figured out what an MP3 is yet, the fact that you said MP3 makes me realize that you are not changing with the times because you don't even know how to use an MP3 player, and now MP3 players are out, so you've actually missed an entire moment. Uh, seriously, they continued, uh, there has to be a way to get these CDs uploaded or downloaded or copied or whatever you have to do to get them on a USB connection so I could listen to them on my my car. This poor man can't listen to any of his music anymore. I feel bad for him. Uh, someone put, I like this one, if you don't have the Shore Christian Church app. I like that one. Uh, you know you're not changing with the times if you pay $175 a month for cable. Try slinging. All right, I will actually, because I'm paying $175 a month for cable. So uh, thank you for the advice. Uh, when you're still writing and mailing checks to pay your bills instead of using bill pay. 
yeah, I, you're wasting 50 cents every single stamp you put. Uh, someone put, if you're still partying like it's 1999, hashtag Prince. <laughs> Anyone still partying like it's 1999? <laughs> don't raise your hand. And uh, this one goes out to my uncle. Uh, if you don't use GPS and still use a physical map while driving. Actually, saw someone doing that the other day at a stoplight with, like, the map. I'm like, really? You're really doing that? You're going to cause more disasters with that map than anything else. Uh, new. We, we, we get excited over new. I, I think um, when, when I, I read a verse that says, behold, I'm doing a new thing, and, and we, we sing songs that in the crushing, God's producing new wine, we, we get excited over the new. We want God to do a new thing in our life, but... We never really get excited over road construction, do we? Like the other night, I, I was craving, with, along with the kids, OMG yogurt. I mean, we were salivating at the mouth for OMG yogurt. And we get in, the, get in the car, we're driving, and then I get behind a barricade of road workers fixing the roads on Route 35 at 8 o'clock at night on a Tuesday evening. And I can't get to OMG. I was frustrated. So you know what I did? I was patient. No, I wasn't patient. I got in the middle lane and I cleared like two blocks and I got to OMG as fast as I could because we, we shout over what's new, but we don't like the process that comes to produce the new. One of our greatest struggles, and it's been the struggle throughout history with the church and Jesus was speaking to the Jewish people who couldn't relate to Jesus because Jesus wasn't packaged the way that they were expecting. Jesus was bringing in a new way, a new covenant, a new way to, of relating to God. Jesus' grace personified, but they were so used to relating to God on the basis of works and on the basis of the law and on the basis of behavior that they couldn't understand Jesus. They couldn't receive the new wine that Jesus wanted to pour into them because they were so used to doing things the old way. They were praying for a Messiah, a deliverer, and then when the Messiah showed up, they couldn't receive it because they were so used to the way things used to be. Could it be that the answer to your prayers is right in front of you, but you can't receive it because it's not packaged the way you expected it to be packaged? Because you're so stuck in the way things used to be that you can't receive the new thing that God wants to do. And, and I struggle with this. Like, I love routines. I love my restaurants. I love doing the things that I've always done. I get stuck in doing things the same way. And, and I'm I'll, honestly a lot of times afraid of doing new things. New restaurants, new routines. Uh, I, I read in this devotional this week, really blew me away. Uh, the law of survival. In one of the laws of ecology, and, and it's your learning must be greater than the changes around you if you want to be able to survive. That's, that's the law for, for creation. That's the law for, for all, all organisms. And I, I believe that that's, that's, something, that's a law in being a human being, too. That if you want to survive, if you want to grow, if you want God to continually be able to use you, if you want to be able to be an asset to, to humanity, you better be learning more than things are changing around you. 
You can't just settle on what you learned 50 years ago, 20 years ago, one year ago. You gotta constantly be growing and changing and learning, but that's the way it's always been done. That's the way things have always been. That's the way I'm comfortable doing things. Uh, my friend Anthony McGarrow tells me this story once of uh, this, this woman who baked a ham. And she would always cut the ends off of the ham before she put it in the oven. And then her kids say, why do you cut the ends off of the ham before you put it in the oven? And she says, because, I don't know, that's the way my mom did it. Let me call my mom. So she calls her mom, says, mom, why do you cut the ends off of the ham before you put it in the oven? She says, I don't know. That's the way that my, my mom used to do it. I don't really, let me call her. So she called up Nana. Nana, why do you cut the ends off the ham before you put it in the oven? And she said, well, back in 1956, we had a tiny little stove in our house. And the only way the ham could fit in the oven was if we cut the ends off off of it. And, and could it be that we are doing things and we don't even understand why we're doing them? We're just doing them because that's the way we've always done them. But there could be a better way to do them. There could be a more, 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 a way God could bring forth new wine in your life if you got out of the old ways and say, God, there's a bigger stove that you've given me. That I'm not limited anymore. I'm not limited by my past anymore. The barriers have been broken. I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing, and, and the barriers aren't there anymore. The stove is bigger than it used to be. You're not limited. Your potential is not in a tiny stove anymore because Jesus has broken the barriers for you. In 1995, if you wanted to, to return a message, you had to get a phone call on your beeper. You had to go find a payphone. You had to put money in the payphone, and then you could return the message for the person that beeped you. Anyone remember those days? Are you thankful the barrier has been broken? That you're not limited by a beeper anymore? If you have a beeper, I mean, God bless you. You are crazy. But you know what? The barrier has been broken. I'm talking about shame. I'm talking about guilt. I'm talking about your past. I'm talking about the weakness that you have let define you your whole life. That barrier has been nailed to a cross that through Christ Jesus, your weakness can become your greatest strength. The barrier has been broken and God wants to bless you so bad, but he wants to do it in a new way. He always wants to do it in a new way. He's not going to do it the way he did in 1995. He's not going to do it through the musics you heard in 1982. He wants to do a new thing. I'm so glad he does. Man, if we sang the same songs we've done for 20 years, it would be pretty boring, wouldn't it be, in church? Man, I like a new song. I like a new sermon. I like a, a I, you know what? I'm glad that I don't dress the same way I did 20 years ago. Another person next to you and say, you need a new wardrobe. <laughs> I, I mean, Jesus wants us, and you know why he does new things? You know why? Say yes. I, I want to know why. Okay, this is why. Because he wants our faith to be in him, not in the method. He never wants our faith to be in the method because methods change every single day. And if your faith is in the method, you have shallow, weak, superficial faith. I want faith in Jesus that he could do all things any way he wants to do it, through anyone that he wants to do it through. 
I, I mean, you look at the Bible. He, he, healed, he healed blind people in the Bible. Anybody know that he healed blind people? And I remember there was this one guy. His name was Blind Bart. And Blind Bart, he was blind. And, and he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, open up my eyes. And Jesus touched him and said, Bart, your faith has made you well. And all of a sudden, his eyes were open. Then, then later on, J- Jesus was brought another man who was blind, and, and, and he took that man, and he looked at him, and he spit in the mud, took the mud, shoved it in his eyes, and says, I want you to go find the pool of Shalom, wash in the pool of Shalom, and then your blind eyes will be open. He was obedient to what Jesus told him to do, and his eyes were open just like that. And another time, a blind dude came. He didn't spit on the ground. He spit right in his face. That would, I, you you got to beat Jesus in order to do that. And, and, and then he spit in his face, and he washed it off, and, and he, he could see better, but it was still fuzzy. See, don't be settled just with, with better. Don't, don't just settle with just good, just a little bit better, still fuzzy, because he went back and said, Jesus, I can't see too good. I need you to touch me again, because you always need a second touch from Jesus. Don't be satisfied with the way he saved you. Say, I want more. I want more. I want new wine. And so he went back to Jesus. Jesus touched him a second time, and then he saw 2020. Why did Jesus... Not just say your faith has made you well to each person and not have to go through all those processes because he wants our faith to be in the man, in Jesus, not in the method. One of our core values at the church, see it right over here, is we always want to be relevant. That's the R down there. It's up on the screen too. We are always willing to change our method without changing the mission. So if you want to be a part of this church, you have to be very comfortable with change. But also knowing that one thing that we will never change is the gospel, is the message, is the mission of this church to find people far from God and bring them into a deep relationship with Christ Jesus. That's who we are. And so God wants to bring new wine out of you. And so I wrote down three Quick points. I got about 15 minutes to get through these. Oh, Lord, help me. And the first thing that that Jesus needs in order to bring new wine out of you is he needs a vessel. The song we sang was, make me a vessel. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, and all you have given me, Jesus, make new wine out of me. He needs a vessel. He needs somebody that he could pour into. And, and I want to be a vessel for God. I want to be somebody that God can use. And, 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 and see, this is a, a, a little... Uh, a little, a little Starbucks cup here. I had my wife get it. It's empty. And uh, a, a lot of times, you know, we, we say we want, uh, I want hot coffee. Anybody like hot coffee? All right, I want hot coffee. Do you really want hot coffee? Because I could throw some at you. Or would you like a cup of coffee? And, and this cup we got for free. We didn't even have to pay anything for it. They just gave it to us because there's, there's no value in the cup. The value is in the coffee. You put the, the coffee in the cup, then you got to, you know, go to Starbucks, a, a $15 cup of coffee right there in your hands. Uh, but, but there's no value in the cup. The value is in the coffee, but you can't serve the coffee without the cup. And, and that's the same way it works with the new wine that, that God wants to pour in you and out of you, is you just have to be a flexible, empty, clean vessel that God can pour into. And the value is not in the cup the value is in the coffee but you can't drink the coffee without the cup 
So your prayer needs to be, God, make me a flexible vessel that you could pour into. Because God can't get the, the message out without a vessel, without a messenger, without a mouthpiece, without arms and feet to do the work of the Lord. We can't do anything without, without vessels. And, and you know, like, this is such a cheap, and, and that's because the value is what's inside. That's why we can't get proud and prideful. Because all I am is a, is a two-cent cup of coffee, just a cup. I, I'm nothing without Christ. It's the treasure that he has put inside of me. I, I'm just the messenger. I, I, that's why it can't always be about me and look at me. Listen to the message that God is using to speak through my voice. The sermon that God is preaching through my actions. That's the va- he needs a vessel. I, I thought about number, number two. Need pressure. Need pressure in the crushing, in the pressing. Jesus is bringing new wine out of me. The only way you get wine is through pressure. And pressure is it's a good thing. It's also a horrible thing. I, I mean, I, I know that I've used the cliche many times. I think I might even used it last week. Um, that, that pressure brings out diamonds. Anyone ever heard that before? You know, in, in, anyone ever been under pressure before? And, and yes, yes, pressure brings out diamonds, but pressure also produces bad decisions. Pressure brings out diamonds, but it also brings out alcoholics. Pressure brings out diamonds, but could also make you a proud owner of a timeshare. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do it. I, I, I mean, pr- pressure can, can kill a person. Pressure can create divorces. I mean, pressure, yeah, uh, can be a, a, a great motivator, but it also, and I think more times than, than not, pressure destroys people. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 4, verse 8, he, he was under pressure from all directions. I mean, it's, it's bad enough when you have pressure, just like financial pressure, but when you got financial pressure and, and then rate relational pressure and then your kids are acting crazy and you just like pressure everywhere, like surrounded by pressure. And, and, and this is what, what Paul, what, he was under pressure from everywhere. And he says, uh, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. How, how does Paul say that? Because I've been under pressure and I felt destroyed. I've, I, I've been abandoned and I felt so lonely. How could Paul say these things? Because I've been on the opposite end of that. And I think most of us in here would agree with that. The, the, the key is in the verse before that, that I didn't show you, verse 7. Because this is what it says in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel and jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, this is, the pro- this is the reason why pressure destroys you. It's because you're making the pressure all about you. You're so full of pride that the pressure is crushing you. Because you're trying to make the pressure produce a performance out of you. And that's why the pressure is overwhelming you. And 
And I've, I, I've been there. I felt the pressure, and I'm like, God, what, where is this pressure coming from? And I'm thinking, because I'm making it about me and how I look and how I am perceived and what other people think about me. And I'm putting pressure on myself because I'm so concerned about the expectations that other people have put on me, and I'm not understanding that it is about the treasure in earth and vessel. It is about the all-surpassing power of God that is inside of me. It is about the new wine that God wants to produce through me. And the reason why I am overwhelmed with pressure is because I'm full of too much pride. Man. I wish I had another 20 minutes to talk about that because there's some people in here that you make it all about you and you have so much pride inside of you that you are so worried about what other people think about you, how you are perceived by your friends, what your status level looks like in the eyes of other people. And that's the reason why you have so much anxiety and that's the reason why you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you were never meant to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders because you are so full of, in Jesus' name, pride be gone I came here with nothing all you have given me everything I have is from God bring new wine out of me my life is yours God pride be gone I don't care what the thought bubbles I think they have about me are I mean we, we obsess about other people's assessment about us and we don't even know what they're thinking and we don't even know what we're thinking half the time. Get over yourself. Say, God, fill me with humility. Empty me of pride. I think about pressure. I think about Jesus. Because if you forget the source, then you lose your strength. And Jesus, we, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under so much pressure, pressure. I got to do this. I have to, I, I can't, the weight of the world is all, I, I got to do this. I got to, I got to go to the, he was under such pressure. The Bible says that he sweat blood out of his forehead, capillaries bursting in his head, crazy pressure. But this is where he drew his strength from. When he finally, he, he said it, and he was feeling like, I can't do this. But then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And when he spoke that, suddenly, I'm sure there was still pressure, but he pointed the pressure in the right direction. Saying, I, I got to have this pressure point to a purpose that God is bringing forth with my life. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He endured because he pointed the pressure to a purpose that God was producing in his life. If you take that pressure and say, it's not about me, but it's about what God is bringing forth through me, a testimony, the glory that God is gonna reveal through this trial that I'm going through. If you could get to that place, then all of a sudden the pressure is off of you and you put the pressure back on on the one who created you, the one who put the treasure inside of you to begin with, man, I don't have to deal with pressure anymore. God, sorry, I wasn't, I was tired this morning too, but I feel like that, that's for somebody. And then, then Paul, he, he went on to say, verse 17, he, he said, oh, this is it. This is, this is why Paul could say that. This is it. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal grace. It's pointing to something. What I'm going through, the pressure that I'm on, is not about me and my pride. It's pointing somewhere. Yeah. 
Not something temporary, but something eternal that far outweighs what I'm feeling right now. Number three, and, and finally. Number one, he needs a vessel. Number two, needs pressure. Number three, needs new wineskin. A lot of times when you get so infatuated with the old, you don't even want the new. You get so comfortable in the old and how things used to be and how God used to speak to you that you don't even want to be challenged to receive a new word, a new anointing from God. I pray I never get in that place. You can't rely on the old anointing for new trials. You need a new anointing in your life. You need a new fresh touch from Jesus in your life. Stop relying on a sermon that you heard in 2014 and say, God, speak to me in 2018 through anybody. Speak a new word over my life. Give me a new anointing because you can't pick up the new when you're holding on to the old. One of my uh, uh, favorite analogies is, I think it's at Jersey Shore Hospital or maybe it's at Monmouth Medical. One of the hospitals, they have these, these automatic doors. And, and you, you, you walk in and the first door opens. God, I love, I mean, what was life like without automatic doors? Must have been horrible, Ernie. Gosh, how did you survive? You know, without like, like, like sinks that you could just stick your hand in when you actually had to turn the knob. Oh, must have been horrible. <laughs> and, and so you, you, the automatic doors and the doors open and then you walk in and, and it's just weird things that catch your eye. And, and, and I'm like, I could get a sermon out of that. And and the doors behind me are still open, and I realize that the doors in front of me, they're programmed not to open until you've gone far enough forward that the doors behind you shut because of, like, wind or something. I don't know. But, but like, you, like, you couldn't have the doors in front of you open while the doors behind you were still open. You had to walk far enough forward in order for the ones behind you to close, and then the, the doors in front of you will open. And I know that's a silly analogy, but that's for somebody that's holding on to something from the past, holding on to the way that Jesus used to speak to you. You want him to speak to you the same way that he did back then, but he says, no, 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 no. You have to trust me that I have a new thing for you. I'm going to speak to you in a new way, that the best is still yet to come for you. The best is still yet to come for this nation. Can we believe that? That the best is yet to come for this nation. That I know that, that people make it seem like everything's so bad, but I got a feeling that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the United States of America as the waters cover the sea, that there is hope rising in this nation, that it might not be documented on the news, but there is something special that it is not going to grow darker and darker and darker, but it is going to go brighter and brighter and brighter, that we are going to have a day where we can lock arms with one another, united under an agape love revolution in this nation, where we could see every knee bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe it. I can see see it. But in order for that to happen, we got to let go of the past. We got to let go of the way things used to be, the way you people, you know, used to talk. I know it's different, but you know what? God's going to do a new thing. And the new net generation needs an old generation to believe in them. Not look down at them. Not speak against them. They need to be built up. God's going to do something great in this nation. 
It's not going to get worse. It's going to grow brighter, but it's only going to go brighter if you can say, God, give me new wine. Make me flexible. Do something new in me again, God. Stand your feet if, if you're able to. This message spoke to you. I just want, as, as a symbol of response, just put your hand up. You say, God, I could do a new thing. There's some old things in my life that I've been holding on to. Some old ways that, that, that I've been looking to and I'm holding on to them and I got to let them go. I got to look ahead. There's doors opening for you, in front of you. Got to let the ones close behind you. I know it's hard. I know it's painful. But the pressure is going to produce a new purpose for you. Right now, if I could just have the ushers, we're going to receive communion as a church. If, please, no, no walking around. Just, just Let's just take this moment and, and, and take this sermon in. And, and if you're able to, let's, let's sing this song together. And then we're going to receive communion as a church in just a second. Where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the kingdom is here. Lay down my old things to carry your new fire today. Cause where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the kingdom is here, carry my old flames, carry your new fire today. Where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the kingdom is here. Lay down my old ways to carry your new fire today. So may. Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. So make me a vessel. Oh! 
everybody have their, their communion. At, at our church, the only requirement that you need in order to receive communion is, is Jesus your Savior. Not did you have a good week, did you follow enough rules and laws, because what we are doing right now has little to do with us and everything to do about Jesus. And this is a time to get our eyes off of us and our flaws and our weaknesses and get our eyes on Jesus, the only perfect one. And we have, we have this, it represents the body of Christ. And what, what this needs to have you remember is the fact that, that his broken body gives me, through faith, healing, my body, my mind, my spirit, my emotions. I feel like one of, the, one of the greatest struggles people have these days is, is uh, struggles in their mind. Mental struggle, mental anguish. Greatest battlefield that we fight isn't Normandy or it's not in Vietnam right now. It's, it's I believe, the battlefield of our mind. And what Jesus did when they threw the crown of thorns on his head is, you know, he bled from his head. Where there is a shedding of blood, there is redemption, there is restoration. I believe that, that God can restore minds through the bloodshed through Jesus. That you could have healing in your mind this morning. Take and eat. And we have the grape juice. Or what it represents is the new covenant, the new wine. Represents that we have a different way of relating to God. That we don't have to come to God with our works, with our resumes, but we come to God through the bloodshed of Jesus, that I am forgiven, I am set free, that God's not angry, God's not angry at you, God's not mad at you, God loves you, he is smiling down at you this morning, I know you disappointed, he's not mad at you, he's not mad at you, he loves you. Because when you put your faith in his perfect son, Jesus, the Bible says, as he is in this world, so are we. That you put on Jesus Christ robes this morning. He looks down and he doesn't see your failures, but he sees the success of his son. You are forgiven. Take and drink. Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for this word that you spoke through me, Lord God. I thank you that you could use anyone. I thank you that you could use me and you could use every single person in this church to, to help and reach this hurting, broken world. But sometimes we can't help this hurting and broken world when, when we're hurting and, and struggling ourselves. I pray this morning, Father, that our pride will be broken feel like that's the word for this morning, that that's, the, that's where you wanted to land this sermon is, 
is you're full of pride and that's the reason why you're under so much pressure. Pride be gone in the name of Jesus. So worried about what other people think of you, be gone in the name of Jesus. It's about the treasure that you carry within you, not about how others perceive you. I believe that when we know where our strength comes from, that we point the pressure to Jesus, that he could deposit power within us, that he could produce new wine through us. We thank you for that. We are laying down our pride this morning. It's about you. It's always been about you, Jesus. Use us. Mold us. You are the potter. I am the clay. Make with me whatever you want. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you would this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming this Sunday. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, if uh, you need prayer for anything, uh, our elders, elder, uh, will be over here to, to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great weekend.